What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three guys who have way too many TV shows to watch with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and welcome to Jackass. I'm Keith Baker, and if I owned a ranch worth millions, I would just sell it. And I'm Austin Terry, and I hope everybody rushed out to theaters to see Father Stew this year. Yeah, I think Mark Wahlberg made a mistake paying out of pocket for that one. All right, well, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started today. Uh, We've done lots of episodes in 2022 so far. You know, we're several months into the year, only a few months left to go. Uh, But despite that, there are still tons of movies and TV shows that have come out that either we had no interest in reviewing at the time, or maybe we did, but it's just things were too busy, so we couldn't squeeze in an episode. So that's what today's episode is all about. We just made a master list, essentially, of all the movies and TV shows that came out this year, like I said, that we haven't already done an episode on. So it's going to be kind of a grab bag of genres today. we got some indies, some bigger projects, some great pieces of content that I'm sad we missed up until this point. And then, yes, of course, it wouldn't be an Arnie's episode without some real pieces of shit. And I'm curious because I think there's some on here that maybe some of us will like, some of us don't. So it's going to be a fun one. Let's go ahead and get started, my friends, with the movie side of things. All right, everybody, welcome on in to the main section of the show. So just to do a quick reminder, because if you're just kind of tuning in or you haven't been listening to us all year, these are the movies that we have already covered in a past episode. So go to your podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts, go to YouTube, subscribe to us on there, search for these episodes because you'll find them. So we will not right now be talking about Scream, The Batman, The Atom Project. I don't know why we wasted an episode on that. Morbius, uh, same. (laughs) Everything, everywhere, all at once. The Northmen, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Top Gun Maverick. Lightyear. Thor Love and Thunder. And The Gray Man. Looking back at that list, I would say a lot more hits than stinkers on there. So maybe the state of movies is looking a lot better in 2022 than it did in 2021. Uh, But let's get started with one we missed that came to Netflix recently. And that is Hustle, starring Adam Sandler, Queen Latifah, and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Um, This movie also stars a ton of NBA players um, acting and playing them themselves in in basketball format in the movie. Um, And it's kind of it kind of tugs at the heartstrings a little bit. So have you guys seen this one? I loved it. Um, I'm a big sports movie guy. And, you know, I'm not a big basketball fan, but for some reason I love movies about basketball. I love Adam Sandler, and I like Adam Sandler playing serious roles like in Uncut Gems and a couple others we've seen him in. And, yeah, it was just a fun, classic, like, sports uh, coaching kind of movie. We've seen the story before, but for some reason seeing it now in 2022 with Adam Sandler, uh, it was was just, I had an overall really good time with it. Yeah, I did see this one. I think I watched it after you guys. Um, I wanted to see it, but I think once I heard you guys mention that you liked it, I uh, watched it sooner than I probably would have. And I really enjoyed it as well. Um, I think Adam Sandler has always been a really good actor, whether he's doing his slapstick comedy or he's doing some of those dramatic projects like Keith mentioned, um, like Rain Over Me, the Meyerowitz stories as well. And this was another one. This one felt like a good blend, I thought. You know, it still felt like an Adam Sandler type character you know there was some goofy elements and some levity there for sure but he also felt like a real person unlike you know billy madison or happy gilmore so it's always fun to see him do something different like that and yeah i just really thought kind of the whole reason to check this one out is really just the relationship that forms between uh the coach and the prospective player and is it like you know a super predictable movie yeah i I think if you're if you've ever seen a sports movie or just, you know, any father-son or like like pseudo-father-son relationship, you know where it's going. But that doesn't mean that the journey there wasn't still a super enjoyable watch. I mean, this one is like an easy recommendation for everybody, I think. It's not like a traditional family film. Like, it doesn't feel like super childish, but it does feel like one that the entire family could enjoy. I think what really impressed me about this one was mainly, I, Adam Sandler's great, of course, but... Uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez. Um, he is an actual NBA player, and this is his first major acting role. Um, he actually auditioned during COVID over like an iPhone camera and got the role with Adam Sandler. And he, I think he's the reason to watch this movie. He's incredibly funny. He's incredibly emotional for kind of a first-time actor. Um, and of course, all the basketball scenes with him look great. Um, kind of like Keith said, I'm not a basketball guy, but I do like basketball movies. And this one does kind of suck you in right away. There's great comedy and, and the interaction between Adam Sandler and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Um, 
it's extremely funny at times, and then also uh, will kind of have you teary-eyed by the time the credits roll on the film. And it was cool kind of looking up like the background of this movie. Adam Sandler is a huge basketball fan, obviously. Um, and he reached out to a lot of NBA players or NBA announcers, and not even NBA guys, but like ba- just basketball gurus. I think, I, ne- I think he reached out to this guy named the uh, Professor on YouTube who does a lot of like basketball tricks, kind of like the uh, Harlem uh, Globetrotters kind of stuff. And he reached out to him and asked him to be in the movie, and he's the guy who ends up training the main character. Yeah, it's a super fun moment at the end, too, and they take you through the entire cast and tell you who they played in the movie and then what team they're on in the NBA or, or what their role is in like the sports media world. And it's just crazy how many real basketball-associated um, people are, are in this movie and, and either acting or playing themselves. It made me go, maybe there is something to basketball specifically. Maybe there's a lot of these people that, uh, I don't know, have some untapped skills, because I thought they were all really good actors. And I was surprised that a lot of them weren't playing themselves. Like, whenever they first popped up, I was like, oh, I guess, you know, it's just like a cameo. But then it's like, oh, no, they're actually playing a character. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know. I was just kind of impressed by that. I thought everybody was really good in the movie. And it didn't feel like it was like some weird like self-promotion for them. It felt like, oh, this is like a cool character. I'll, you know, I'll see what I can I can like I can do for that role instead of just like, I don't know, just being themselves and not really caring. All right. Well, I think that's a, a unanimous recommendation from all three of us for Hustle. Uh, who wants to get into the next one? I'll do a quick mention. Uh, looking at our list of movies here, there's only one actually that we did mention all the way back at the beginning of January when we did an episode essentially at the time going through the prospective 2022 release dates for movies and TV shows. And uh, there's only one that we had on that list, but that unfortunately did not get an episode probably for the best I think that would have been a weird episode just ranting and raving about jackass forever which stunts were super good but hey this is just a quick mention i had an absolute blast watching this in the theaters i was laughing my ass off you went to theaters to see this i did go to theaters to see this wow with a big old bowl of popcorn and had a, a great time laughing with everybody else <laughs> um it it's what you would expect. All these old dudes are hurting themselves. <laughs> so there's a different element of funny to it. They had to bring in a lot of new cast members, a lot of younger people. I don't know if they're doing that to like, I don't know, hint at a future movie where they phase out the old crew. I don't know. But they got some really, really fun people to come join the cast here. And I don't know if you want to see old guys use their testicles as like, ping pong balls that get paddled across the room if you want to see them do a trivia contest where they all stand over like a teeter-totter and if you get the question wrong then you get racked in the dick if you want to see a scorpion bite somebody on the lip if you want to see them go into a dark room and have to fend off like rattlesnakes and stuff like that jackass forever is indeed the movie for you and should not be missed we will see them at the oscars i think this is the same crew that's been doing Jackass forever now. Did they find a way to make it heartwarming or nostalgic or anything like that? Or is it just kind of the same Jackass you've known for years now? I think so. I mean, there's a certain camaraderie between the old crew, for sure. I think if you've seen even bits and pieces of the TV show or the past three movies, they definitely have like, I don't know, like a fun manner of speaking to each other. And they they do in a weird way. It's like when somebody doesn't get like really hurt, but when somebody's like, oh my God, that was that was insane. I can't believe I just did that. You, like, you see everybody like hugging and giving high fives, like they're excited that they got like good footage and stuff. So there's definitely kind of a sweet streak under Jackass Forever. I would say none of this series has ever been, may, maybe like a few exceptions, but it's never been about like doing a prank that's mean spirited or like upsetting your friend or anything like that. It's all goofy. They all seem to be into it. So Not only will you laugh, but I think you'll, you know, feel good because it's like, oh, look at all those friends having a good time. (laughs) Where would you put this one on the tier of Jackass movies? Towards the top or towards the bottom? I don't know. It might be lower on my list. I still feel a certain affinity for the past three. I don't think it's because they were younger. I just think maybe there was a bit more variety in those movies when it came to... um, like the pranks and like some of like the grander scale projects. The only real negative I had for Jackass Forever is like, I feel like the series is known for like going out on a huge, exciting note, like the final stunt. And this one was kind of lame. Um, it wasn't bad. It was just like, I was, I was surprised when the credits rolled. I was like, oh, that's the end, I guess. But uh, other than that, absolutely, you know, 
check it out if you're even a remote Jackass fan. It's not my favorite, but still well worth watching. I got roped in to watching The Lost City. Not in theaters like Matt saw Jackass Forever on streaming, which is probably the best way to watch this movie um, because you can get up and go do other stuff while it's on. Uh, But I did watch The Lost City starring Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, and Brad Pitt. I will say the first half of this movie is extremely promising. Um, Brad Pitt is probably as funny as he's ever been in the first half of this movie. And if you do have any interest in checking it out, my advice to you is leave the movie on until Brad Pitt exits the film and then turn it off. And then you'll think it was probably a pretty good movie. The only thing I was really curious about this movie was that Daniel Radcliffe was back in a big movie playing like a villainous character. Was there anything good about that? He's actually not bad. Um, He somehow stays sinister and funny throughout the entire movie. Um, But all of his best scenes are in the first half of the movie. And then he weirdly disappears for the second half of the movie until like the final credits. And you're like, oh, yeah, Daniel Radcliffe was in this movie. Dang it. Such a waste of my friend Daniel. It definitely sounds like a really weird mix of a cast. Brad Pitt, Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, and then Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Where's Ron? Yeah. Ron, my favorite actor. Our favorite actor, Ron. (laughs) Well, you guys are in luck because I did not remember to put this movie on the list, but when Austin said Channing Tatum, it reminded me that while I was traveling this past weekend... I did, in fact, on the plane, watch that Channing Tatum dog movie, which is actually just called Dog, but I like to call it the Channing Tatum dog movie. <laughs> and it was a very sweet film, I have to say. I was, I was getting some good feelings while sitting on the plane, which is kind of all you can really ask for when watching something on a small screen on a plane while somebody's kicking the back of your seat. Um, so <laughs> if you guys don't remember this one, I'll just do it real quick because it's nothing great, but it's a good time. This is the movie where Channing Tatum's old army buddy, his his dog, who was like, I don't know what the term is, like one of those dogs that you see in all the army movies and TV shows, you know, that like is on the missions and stuff. Basically, his friend's like companion. His friend dies suddenly, and Channing Tatum is tasked with essentially driving the dog cross-country to the funeral. And the dog is, like, anxious. It's kind of like the dog almost has PTSD and things from the war. And so it's basically what you'd expect. It's just Channing Tatum, who's kind of down on his luck. He's injured, and he's not feeling good either. Um, And they form a sweet bond, and it was very good. And I also saw, interestingly, that Channing Tatum was half of the directing team of the movie. So maybe he's kind of dipping his toe into some other roles in Hollywood. And if so, I'm excited to see it because this was a very enjoyable watch. Why do you think this one kind of lost buzz the second it came out? Well, it's interesting. Um, I I really think that while it it wasn't talked about a lot, I did see that they made the really smart call budget-wise. It only cost $15 million and it made like 85, so it turned a pretty healthy profit. So not that there's going to be a sequel or anything, but just I was like, okay, good for them. You know, they made a smaller budget movie. It paid off. Um, and yeah, I guess to Austin's point, if you see this one streaming or you're on a Delta flight like I was, check out Dog. Uh, very, very heartwarming movie. And be on the lookout for the sequel, Dog 2, Let There Be Puppies. Let There Be Puppies, starring Woody Harrelson. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So to close us out in the movie section, I got an interesting one, potentially. I'm not sure if you guys have seen this or heard of it. Um, But basically, Top Gun Maverick was delayed by so many years that the director, Joseph Kaczynski, made an entirely different movie, (laughs) also with Miles Teller, and it came out like a week after Top Gun Maverick. That's how that's how delayed Top Gun Maverick was. And that is, of course, Spiderhead, which is over on Netflix. It's based on a short story um, by George Saunders, which I read actually in anticipation of this movie. And it's a very quick read, probably like 20, 30 minutes. And it's pretty fascinating. And this is a, the Netflix adaptation starring Miles Teller, Journey Smollett, and Chris Hemsworth himself. And it's kind of an interesting premise. It's basically like if you're a prisoner in the near future or whatever, there's an opportunity that you could be selected to enter into these medical trials. And if you get picked for it, you get to like kind of not live in prison. You get to live kind of in this island community. There's no cells, so to speak. You can kind of roam around. You can meet people, make friends. But the trade-off is you have to engage in Chris Hemsworth's mad science, so to speak. You have to do his drug trials. And these are drugs that will like 
like a love drug that you get injected with it and you, you can look at somebody that you feel nothing for and then immediately fall in love and feel this sexual attraction to them. You could take a drug that makes like the landscape look beautiful or you could take a drug that like fully destroys your nervous system and is the most painful thing you'll ever feel. So it's kind of unclear why are they making these drugs? And while, you know, that mystery is unfolding, Miles Teller's character and Journey Smollett's character are two people with kind of fucked up histories because we know that they're prisoners that got selected for this program. They start to form a bond. And while Chris Hemsworth kind of seems maybe friendly at the beginning, maybe he's not as it goes on. This movie's definitely not great. It does not live up to its source material. Uh, 100% the reason to watch it is because Joseph Kaczynski, I think, has proven to be a solid director and the movie looks really good. And Chris Hemsworth is finally doing some work that doesn't feel just like Thor or that like line of shitty action movies he did in between all the MCU movies. He's actually playing a pretty interesting character with depth here. He does an admirable American accent. Sorry, Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, Chris Hemsworth was like, you know what? I'm not going to do a really weird New York house MD accent. I'm just going to do an American accent. Um, yeah. So while it's not great, I found the movie interesting enough and some of the twists and turns were kind of compelling that I thought I should recommend it. Do you think it rises above the negative? I I saw a lot of negative reviews for this one. Do you think it's better than the way it got perceived when it came out or were those reviews pretty fair? Do you think? I think in parts, I think overall, it's definitely better. Like if we did a full episode on it, once we got to the critical review uh, section that we always do, I think I probably would have said something like, you know, I actually kind of disagree with the critics here. I think there's a lot to enjoy about this movie. The performances are great. There's some really compelling uh, sci-fi stuff here. There's some really interesting themes that for most of the movie, I would say like three-fourths, they really kind of stick to and they make you question a lot of things. And it does that thing that, you know, good movies do where it forces you into like the shoes of the characters and you're like, ugh, what would I do in that situation? That's an impossible choice. The problem with the movie uh, and the main problem is that all of the interesting themes that it's setting up, um, they completely abandon at the end in favor of, I won't spoil it, but in favor of, I don't know, just leaving you on a different note, I guess. Um, It does something completely different from the source material, which is like, Straight to the finish, it never shies away from what it's set up. And the movie does, and it's unfortunate. I saw this one, too. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched it just randomly one night. I was like, I need. I wanted to watch a movie, and I saw Spiderhead was this new movie that came out on Netflix. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll see what it's about. And so I started it. I, I pretty much align with you, Matt, um, in the fact that, yeah, I don't think it was great. I wasn't, when, I, when the movie was finished, I was like, oh, okay, it was okay. And I wasn't blown away by it. But I did like the idea of it, like the whole the whole drug aspect of it and the drug trials, um, like controlling the different dosage of the drugs was really cool. And and the fact that it takes place in a prison with prisoners. So it's like, OK, that's how they're able to get away with trying these drugs because these people really don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. So it was a really cool idea. And it, was, it was almost like a Black Mirror episode. It's kind of what it felt like to me. Just a, yeah. a really long Black Mirror episode with Thor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like you said, though, I like I, I thinking. Chris Hemsworth's in this. Like, I don't know if he's gonna play a scientist, but yeah, like you said, like towards the end, I was like, okay, this guy's pretty believable as like a kind of a crazy scientist. And Miles Teller, I think, did a pretty decent job. You know, he's he's pretty good at bringing the emotion with whatever with whatever role he comes to. So yeah, him showing his anger was kind of fun to watch. Um, so I had a pretty good time with it. I was entertained, but I wasn't blown away by it by any means. Would you guys say it's better or worse than Chris Hemsworth's other Netflix project, Extraction? Definitely better. I know a lot of people out there liked Extraction. I was not one of those people. I did not like Extraction. Yeah, I think it was way better. I quite like Extraction. I'm excited for the sequel. You're not alone. You're not alone. Be nice to Chris. We were. We said he was good. (laughs) (laughs) So before we move on to TV, guys, I wanted to pose this question to you. I think I know the answer, but going back and, you know, reading that list of movies that we've already covered this year and then the movies we just mentioned, what do you think is the best so far? Is it any of the ones we just mentioned or is it something that we already spent time covering and doing a full episode on? I think um, I think I'll give you two answers. I think I think the most interesting piece of filmmaking I've seen all year is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, I think the most complete movie I've seen this year is Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, I think Top Gun Maverick probably will take it for me as the best movie so far this year. But I did also enjoy Everything Everywhere All at Once as well. So close second. Yeah. Easy top two for me is Top Gun Maverick and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Not sure which is one and which is two, but I know it's those two movies for sure. The more I've thought about them, I just, those are the two that have stuck with me, I think, the longest. 
And hands down, the number three is The Lost City. <clears throat> hands down, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, let's go ahead and shift on over to TV. Um, really excited about this, even more so than the movies. I think we all watched way more TV shows this year than movies, so I think we have maybe a bit more of a varied list, you could say. So again, before we get into that list, we've already covered this year. So once again, if you're curious about, hey, why did they talk about that? Why didn't they talk about that? It's probably because we already did an episode on it. So if you're a fan of Ozark Season 4, The Book of Boba Fett, Peacemaker, Severance, Halo, Stranger Things Season 4, Obi-Wan Kenobi, or The Boy Season 3, make sure you head back to your podcast feeds or YouTube and search for those episodes. We spent a lot of time on all of those. We had so many thoughts. We liked a lot of those. We hated some of them. So go check those out. But with that, let's go ahead and get into the stuff that we missed. All right. Let's start uh, with the Marvel project that we had on our schedule and then abandoned. Uh, let's start with Moon Knight. We have to start with Moon Knight. Yes. Starring Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke, and Mae Kalamawi. Yeah. This, this, is a, this one follows Stephen Grant. It's basically his origin story and Moon Knight, the character's origin story in the context of the MCU. He's kind of just a innocent, naive, nice guy that's going about his normal routine until essentially he... He starts blacking out and he keeps waking up not doing something as part of his routine. He's like waking up in a different country. He's like covered in blood. He's like, what the hell's happening? It turns out he has DID and he is essentially sharing his body with another personality, Mark Spector, who is a superhero, Moon Knight. So the TV show is essentially about them kind of coming to terms with that, figuring out how to share their body. And then Ethan Hawke kind of comes in as a villain that's hoping to bring them over to their side because they're all these like avatars for these random gods in the MCU. And Ethan Hawke, of course, he seems like he's going to be a nice guy. And then he turns out to just be a cult leader that's going to do, I don't know, he's going to do something that involves shooting a big <laughs> beam into the sky. Um, and for a show to just to quickly preface here, for a show called Moon Knight, uh, not a whole lot of uh, Moon Knight in there. Yeah, this is an interesting one for sure. Um, like I said, we did have this on the schedule and then I think we all got three episodes in and we're like, nope, let's do something else. <laughs> um, I do think, I mean, I thought the opening of this show was great and I thought after finishing it recently, I thought the ending was great too. It's just everything in between is like, what were they thinking? They took the most roundabout path possible to get to the conclusion of this show. Um, all of the Egyptian gods are really cool. The Moon Knight stuff is really cool when it's there. There's just not enough of it. And it's just kind of a nonsensical story that most of the time you're spent wondering what's the point. I don't think they ever really capped off on what the point actually was of the show. I do think where it ended, it did definitely leave me wanting to see more. So I think for that, I think for that reason alone, I would actually recommend finishing it if there's anybody that fell off of it like I did. I'm only two episodes in, so I can't really talk too much about it. But I think you nailed it, Austin, to the fact that I'm just waiting for them to get to the point. I like Oscar Isaac. I like Ethan Hawke as actors. And I think you said, Matthew, Moon Knight, the actual character of Moon Knight, is taking a bit to get to him and the explanation of where he came about. So far, I've just been not too uh, uh, attracted to it. Yeah, I think I'm with Austin. I think the show starts promisingly enough. It's like, okay, this is kind of interesting, kind of different. I'm curious to see where this is going to go. And then it just really, really meanders for episodes two through four, with episode four being, I think, one of like the lowest points in like any Marvel thing ever. Um, it's unfortunate that I think the thing that you're wanting, Keith, doesn't come until episode five, which is where that's when they're like, in a six episode show, they were like, episode five is the one where we're going <laughs> to basically kind of tell you who these characters are, provide rich context to them, give them really, really emotional backstories that kind of adhere you to them and that's where they kind of finally these personalities team up and come together and which leads into the finale also in that i also quite liked so it's just it's a shame that it starts well and ends well but everything in the middle is just a fucking drag keith based on what we've said do you think you'll finish it or are you just not going to bother no i'll definitely finish it because i mean i've watched all the uh the Disney Plus shows so far as regarding Star Wars and Marvel, so I have to finish it. Yeah, it'll it'll bother me if I don't finish it. So I will go back once I'm done watching other shows that we're mentioning uh, later on. Um, I'll go back and and finish it up. 
I mean, I know you guys will definitely disagree with me on this, but I would say it's better than the Obi-Wan show. Yeah, I can't, I can't agree with that one. can't agree with that one. <laughs> yeah, I think Obi-Wan's show is way better than the first two episodes of Moon Knight. So, but maybe, maybe Moon Knight might come back for me. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. A uh, question for you guys as part of our transition here. Might as well get the other one out of the way. But do you think um, because you watched Moon Knight and were like, ugh, I'm kind of disappointed with like the direction that the MCU Disney Plus shows are going, did that at all deter you from watching the newest one, Miss Marvel? Or do you think that you just weren't interested in watching that to begin with because it didn't like interest you? I'm curious if like Moon Knight being what it was maybe influenced that decision because I'm going to talk about Miss Marvel, but I wanted to get your guys' answer to that first. Yeah, I'm definitely burnt out on the Marvel Disney Plus shows. I haven't even started Miss Marvel, haven't watched the trailers or anything. Um, I have seen positive buzz around it, which does pique my interest. Uh, but I think there's just been too much Marvel this year, which which I know seems like a kind of a, a bold statement, but I'm burnt out on the MCU for sure. And I hate to say this, but I think I'm I'm with Awesome. I'm, I'm burnt out on, on MCU and I'm also burnt out on Star Wars too. I mean, we've seen a lot of Boba and Obi-Wan and Mando. Tatooine. <laughs> Tatooine. I, yeah, I think I just need a little bit of break and, and, I, and I have other shows uh, that I'm watching that are going to take place of that for right now. But maybe I'll go back and watch it later. Yeah, it's a shame because I definitely don't fault you guys. I, I, there is just way too much, I think, uh, to the point where like the overall storylines are getting muddled, sometimes confusing, and it's like, I don't know. I think on the surface when they announced all these Marvel projects and all these Star Wars projects, like, oh, it's going to fill in the galaxy, tell new stories. We just haven't really gotten to that point yet. It just feels like most of these shows are, they could have just been really interesting movies, and instead they feel like they're meandering half the time. And it's an extra shame because, kind of like Austin alluded to, I, I definitely agree with the positive buzz. I think Miss Marvel is a, a delightful show. It definitely kind of, to me, it feels like the better version of something like Spider-Man Homecoming. It definitely feels like uh, that version of Spider-Man and this version of Miss Marvel is two high schoolers in the MCU that kind of come from, I don't know, like small-scale backgrounds in a weird way. But you're watching them go to school in the context of the MCU where these all these superheroes around, all these like Avengers level events have happened and they worship these characters. Um, you know, like Tom Holland Spider-Man worships Iron Man and then uh Kamala Khan, who uh is a Pakistani American, uh so it's fun to see that represented. Her family, the family dynamic in this show and that subplot is just like A plus. It's it, it feels like just an amazing like family drama with so much comedy. Uh, a great new perspective to have in the MCU, but she worships Captain Marvel, um, and this show is just great. Like stylistically, it feels so different. It has that John Hughes feel that I know a lot of people attribute to stuff like Spider-Man: Homecoming. But it's really fun to see. Like, it's so hard to describe, but it's like characters have thought bubbles at times. So it feel it kind of has like that Spider-Man into the Spider Verse element too. Like it feels like a comic book at times, which is cool. And I just love that, you know, we get MCU shows and movies that, like, they, they fit into different genres than we expect. We talked about Thor Love and Thunder having lots of, like, rom-com elements. And this one just feels like a family drama, but you're also seeing, like, a coming-of-age story in, like, maybe the truest sense of the word in the MCU so far. Like, seeing her interact with her friends at school, her family, and then all of a sudden she's worshipped these heroes and then she finds herself with powers and feeling like she has to hide that from her family, but like she's so excited to talk about it with her friends and stuff, and then watching like the villain subplot and her own personal history that she gets sucked into. It's a really good show. Um, since you guys haven't seen it, I would say when thinking about the other Disney Plus shows, this one definitely, definitely, definitely more consistent than the other ones. Like I thought this one was great throughout, like all six episodes. It starts so strong and it ends even stronger. And throughout there, I thought everything was great. So I feel burnt out too, but I think it, it's, it's worth a watch eventually. Which MCU shows do you think are better than Miss Marvel? I was thinking about that today. The more time passes, I, I, I want to rewatch WandaVision because I'm like, was that show just a really incredible gimmick with like, uh, you know, like the genres and like the time passing every episode with like a new style of TV? Or was it actually like amazing throughout? I know there were some dips in there and we didn't love the ending, but I thought the I think the acting is so good and the story was really strong that maybe it's better. Although I think Miss Marvel is more consistently good. And I also have to shout out Amon Vellani, who plays Miss Marvel herself. I think she's like one of the, the best performances that we've seen 
from a newcomer in the MCU in like I don't know how long. Um, Loki might be better. I know we all loved Loki, but really those are the only other two shows that I would e- I would even consider better than this one. I think this is easy top three. I think the f- I think the fact that it's done is going to help me out a lot. Like I can just go binge it instead of yeah. having to sit through six weeks of of watching a show. Um, I do want to watch it, and you and you've raved about it so much. I, I'm definitely going to check it out. I just I need a break from superheroes for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure. I'm with you, but yeah, I'll definitely check it out though. I'll definitely watch it. All right, I'm glad that we actually started with the Marvel content. I feel like because you know the MCU and the Star Warses of it all, or you know what they are, being so big, we do lots of episodes on that content. But there you go, we've gotten one shitty one with Moon Knight, one really good one with Miss Marvel out of the way. So what do you guys want to move on to next? Let's go over to a, a tiny little streaming service called Apple TV. Uh, let's talk about Slow Horses starring Gary Oldman, Jack Loudon, and Kristen Scott Thomas. Um, this one follows kind of a group of spies from MI5 who have been sent to Slough House, which is a division that all of kind of the failed spies get sent to. They're literally there because they've handled classified information in the past, and MI5 needs a place to put them where they can just run out their careers and not bungle anything else that they've bungled in the past. Um, this team gets roped into a kidnapping terrorism case, um, and they kind of have to solve it. The reason to watch this one, I think, is Gary Oldman. He's fantastic in it. But on top of a great performance from Gary Oldman, you do get a really interesting spy thriller um, that keeps you engaged for all, I think it's six episodes. It's done on Apple TV, and I think it's an, I think it would be an incredible binge. I'm someone that watched it week to week, and every week I was like, God, I cannot wait for the next episode. So if you haven't seen this one, I would highly recommend checking it out. Nice. Yeah, I definitely want to check it out, Austin. I remember you telling me about this when you first started watching it. I don't know how many months ago it was now. Or, uh, but yeah, it sounds good. And I love Gary Oldman. So uh, I, I'll probably definitely give it a watch. Yeah, I watched the pilot of this one and then I, I really liked it. But then I just too much time passed, got busy. And now I feel like I have to go back and watch the whole thing because I've forgotten elements. But I was definitely impressed uh, and excited about that first episode. It's just fun seeing Gary Oldman in that kind of role. Definitely reminded me of something like, you know, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, which I have always loved an incredible spy thriller. So just seeing anything with that vibe and Gary Oldman involved is something that uh, has to be worth watching, I would imagine. I know Austin has always talked about it well. So I feel like we always talk about with TV, like it's hard to buy in sometimes when something starts strong or ends strong like we talked about, but then like it kind of meanders. But you know, Austin gave it uh, that seal of approval where it stays good throughout, which is always encouraging when wanting to start something uh, soon. So I definitely got to get that one finished. It's definitely a very concise story. There's not a lot of subplots beyond the main driving force of the story. Um, but that driving story is so interesting that I think you'll be hooked. Um, it also has that dry British humor um, that it is a very serious show. But then there are times where you will be kind of belly laughing at some of the jokes in the show. Apple TV, man, doesn't get enough buzz. There's so many hits on that service. That's what uh, Severance was on, right? And yeah. Ted Lasso. And Oh, yeah, that's right. Ted Lasso, too. Yeah, they're building up a really great catalog. I'm excited about the future of Apple TV. I feel like they're not missing at the moment. Nice. Well, I will bring up Yellowstone. Have you guys seen Yellowstone yet? It's another one I haven't seen. I've seen two seasons of it. Oh, nice. So we're in season four now of Yellowstone. It just finished up. Um, we also have... A prequel, 1883, which takes place in the same universe. Um, these, these are both by Taylor Sheridan, who you may know from uh, Hell or High Water with Ben Foster and um, Chris Pine. Really cool story. It's about this guy named John Dutton. He owns a, a ranch out in Montana uh, called the Yellowstone Ranch, not to be confused with Yellowstone National Park. All these people wanted to acquire his land. Some of them have maybe okay intentions with the land, and a lot of them don't have good intentions with the land. Even he might have kind of mixed intentions with the land. So it, the hero and villain def- definitely get uh, p- pretty blurred in this, in this series. And he has, you know, his family that's kind of fighting by his side, but also turning on him at the same time. It's a good modern Western. You see some good action as far as, you know, your classic gunfights. I mean, then you also just have your typical drama as far as, you know, legality of things regarding him wanting to keep his land and all that. And then going into the prequel, 1883, it, it takes place, I think, four generations before him with his, his great or great, great granddad, James Dutton. And it's all about them traveling from, I think, the East Coast all the way to, Mon- or no, sorry, from Texas all the way to uh, Montana and requiring the land that eventually becomes the Yellowstone Ranch that Kevin Costner's character, John Dutton, uh, 
ends up owning. Austin, what's your thoughts on it so far after seeing seasons uh, one and two? Yeah, what I've seen, I've really enjoyed. Um, I think the main reason to check this one out is definitely the performances and the story. I, I think the story is very engaging and interesting. I think the reason why I've kind of fallen off of it is, is one, there's just too much stuff to watch out there. Um, but two, what you mentioned about the hero and villain lines kind of getting blurred in this show. Um, it definitely does have that kind of Breaking Bad feel where you don't know who you're supposed to root for in the show. For sure. Um, and, and that kind of did wear me down. It's not a bad thing. I just, I, there's so many vague lines of like, ah, I like that person, but, that, but then they've done all this stuff. That's kind of what has made me fall off the show. I think at this point, I'm more interested in the prequel. And I do kind of want to finish the four seasons so I can then go watch the prequel because I want to see um, kind of that classic Western set with the same um, underlying tones and drama and stuff. So um, I'm excited to finish what I've seen. Yeah, I've never heard a bad word about this show. I know um, you guys have talked about from what you've seen that you enjoy it quite a bit. I know my parents like it. feels like I, I hear with Yellowstone, it's like sometimes you hear older people talking about it. You hear like people our age talking about it, even some younger people. So this one's kind of been hitting uh, a bunch of different quadrants. Like you said, I guess, Keith, uh, the modern Western is maybe um, telling stories in ways to keep that kind of old school Western feel alive, which is kind of cool. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have no reason to not have started this one yet. It's definitely on my list. Um, I got to get around to it. Just anything that you guys talked about with like hero and villain lines blurring. I, I, I understand what Austin's saying. That can be a little bit like... Okay, you know, we've seen that before, but I still enjoy those stories quite a bit. And the fact that I always hear the story is good, the characters are great, and the performances are great. I have no reason not to get started. And I bet I got to I guess I got to get started soon because there's a prequel. And haven't they already announced another prequel with like Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren? I'm assuming playing another generation, like in between the two shows or it's something. It's in the 1900s, I believe. And they've already announced not just a prequel, but a, a, a spinoff called the uh, the Four Sixes Ranch, with which one of the characters from Yellowstone goes to, and I don't want to spoil anything, but he goes to in the middle of the series. This, this is going to be actually like a pretty big universe with Taylor Sheridan. The Yellowverse. Yeah, the Yellowverse. Cool. Uh, but yeah, I just started the 1883, the prequel, and I got to say, if you like Westerns, you're going to love this. I, you know, y'all know I liked uh, Hell on Wheels as a, as a good Western that came out recently. Uh, but this this might actually be better than Hello Wheels, possibly. I don't know. I'm only two or three episodes. <gasps> That's blasphemous for you, I, I Keith. I'm, How only, dare I'm you? only two or three episodes in, but Sam Elliott's in it. You know, you know Sam Elliott is like the king of westerns. I don't think this is spoiling anything. There's a lot of cameos in it of like big name actors you would not expect to be in it. Okay. I wonder how much money I would have if I had five dollars for every time Keith has brought up Hell on Wheels on this show. <laughs> I love Hell on Wheels, man. Uh, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> If you consider how much money you get from when he's mentioned it, not on the podcast, too, you'd even Oof, more. <laughs> man, I could retire with that. You could buy the four sixes ranch or whatever Keith said. <laughs> Have enough money to be friends with Anston Mount in common. Anston <laughs> Mount wow. in common. My two favorite actors. <laughs> Let's do something that I don't know if this one had got, has gotten renewed over on Amazon Prime, which is unfortunate. Uh, kind of like when I talked about Dog in uh, the first round. I feel similarly here. Is this like some mind-blowing show. No, not really, but it's incredibly heartwarming, well-acted, and that's as we see it. Like I said, on Amazon Prime, I would super recommend this one. This one's essentially about three uh, roommates who are on the autism spectrum to varying degrees, and they essentially have somebody that comes and stays with them and kind of teaches them and coaches them and helps them through life, basically. And she's played by Sosie Bacon, who's really great. And like I said, it, it, they're not doing anything original, I would just say from like a story perspective, like for example, it really is just kind of revolving around people somewhat close to our age who are going through struggles when it comes to dating, going through struggles when it comes to, oh, I just found out that somebody very close to me has been diagnosed with a very serious um, illness. How do I cope with that? Or in a really, you know, I think interesting way, they tackle things like like new friendships or like, oh, this something here's something that I feel really uncomfortable doing. How do I kind of I don't know, change my behavior or coach myself to try new things. That's what the show's all about. And it's about these roommates who are having to learn to do the things together. But the thing that makes the show, I think, worth watching for everybody and makes it super important and required viewing, in my opinion, is it's telling all of those things through the perspective of people on the autism spectrum and how they have different struggles and how they're trying to figure out how to do those things. Not because people are telling them to, but because they genuinely want to. They want to feel those connections. They want to date. They want to make friends. They want to like 
not feel like scared about, you know, like walking down the street, you know, with like lots of loud noises around or stuff like that. So it, it's really good. It's also extremely funny, too. It, it's like a really good comedy as well. Um, I think it's only like eight episodes, maybe they're like 30 minutes each. So it's a really quick watch. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry for sure. And I think you're going to fall in love with the character. So it's an easy recommendation for me. And I'm sad that it's been a few months and they haven't mentioned if it's been renewed yet. So it makes me feel like probably not. But regardless, whatever we did get is still really great. Yeah, this is one I've I've seen some buzz about, but I've only seen kind of the the drama elements about it. I didn't know it was a comedy. So that makes me super interested to check this one out for sure. Yeah, I haven't heard anything yeah, about really it. Funny. So, but the way you described it, though, it sounds really interesting. So I might have to give it a watch. Definitely, definitely. I think you guys will like it. Well, should we stay with Amazon Prime and jump over to Reacher, starring Ooh. Alan Richson, Malcolm Goodwin, and Willa Fitzgerald? This was a surprising one for me. This was a surprising one. Yeah, so this, um, like I said, this one stars Alan Ritson, and he plays the titular Jack Reacher, who, um, not to be confused with the Tom Cruise movie where he played Jack Reacher, this is completely separate. And from what I understand, it's kind of more akin to the Reacher books, I believe. Um, he is a man who's just gotten out of the military police, and he kind of steps into civilian life and immediately gets arrested for a murder. Uh, the story kind of expands from there and he gets roped into investigating this murder and, um, yeah, it's, it's a really good thriller. Alan Richardson is fantastic in it and, um, the supporting cast also kind of helps carry the story and I would say elevate it to that great tier of upstreaming shows this year. Yeah, it's a solid mystery and it really blended a lot of genres that I didn't anticipate. I'd never seen the Tom Cruise Jack Reacher. I always heard the first one was really good, but I did hear that it, you know, it, it was kind of just like a Tom Cruise vehicle. It wasn't really similar to the books and like what you said, Austin, I've heard this one is very similar, which I think makes me want to kind of read those because I thought the best thing about this show, besides Alan Richson, is how they blended so many different types of like mystery thriller, like genres. Like I guess, for example, like whenever you hear mystery thriller or just a thriller, it could be an action movie with like, you know, crazy hand to hand gunfights, that kind of thing. It could be kind of like, a love story at times, like, you know, two people that uh, are investigating something together and then they fall in love along the way. Or it could be almost like a Sherlock Holmes type thing where like your main character like is, is like, oh, wow, like he, I didn't expect it from meeting him. But this guy or this girl or whoever, like they're brilliant. And you kind of like watch them be this like crazy investigator and catch certain things that nobody else would have seen. And Reacher, in a way, I didn't expect like he's all of those things. He's kind of a Sherlock Holmes type. He's kind of this like really charismatic, funny, like gentle at times, like a ladies man. And he's, of course, like badass <laughs> whenever he's fighting. I mean, the fights in this are crazy and the action's awesome. So they found like those three genres and mixed it all into one really cool detective story, like Austin said. So yeah, I was totally surprised by this and how much I liked it. I was blown away by Alan Richardson. I'm happy he was able to do this after leaving that shitty Titan show that he was on for a while. <laughs> Love this guy since Blue Mountain State, so I'm glad to see his career has expanded beyond the role of Thad Castle. But kind of like you see from Thad, he does have uh, those comedic chops. He kind of gets to display those in Reacher, um, and he's supported by a really great story that keeps you interested, I, I would say, all the way through. Um, it's not predictable. It definitely has its own twists and turns, um, and it's all available on Prime, so it's a very quick binge as well. Yeah, and the two like main supporters with Malcolm Goodwin and Willa Fitzgerald are great. Love those characters and loved kind of the their subplots and their histories and how that kind of ties into the whole thing as well. Very excited that they've already renewed it. Can't wait for more of this. Well, should we stay in the vein of military conspiracy shows and jump over to The Terminalist? All right. Yeah, guys. So uh, The Terminalist is kind of uh, the talk of the town for a number of ways. Um yeah, I've heard you guys talk about this one a little bit over the last week or so. So what do you guys think? I think a terminal list is a really fun binge. Um, it, it hasn't really gotten to that great tier for me. I, I did just finish it before we started recording. Um, I think it's good all the way through. Chris Pratt is awesome. Um, for me, though, the standout in this one is Constance Wu. It is another military conspiracy where Chris Pratt plays a Navy SEAL whose um, squad was killed over in the Middle East. And that kind of spirals into his family also being killed, and he has to uncover um, the guys who did it. It is the better version of Without Remorse that we reviewed last year with Michael B. Jordan. It does have those same, it is the, pretty much the exact same story as Without Remorse, but just way better done. 
the action's top notch. Um, the mystery is it's pretty good. It does get a little predictable. Um, and overall, I think it's a pretty strong binge. Yeah, really cool. Like you said, Austin. It, yeah, somewhat predictable at times, but like like all those conspiracy military movies kind of are. Um, but I, I thought the story was pretty interesting and how, how it was blended with like the politics of that time period it takes place in was really cool. Yeah, I think Chris Pratt, like you said, is badass. Like the way he really embodied a Navy SEAL and like had all the tactics down, the physicality down and all that was really cool. Seeing Taylor Kitsch come back as a Navy SEAL, we've seen him before in Lone Survivor. So it's cool to see Tim Riggins again. Seeing Chris Pratt as a Navy SEAL too in Zero Dark Thirty. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Chris Pratt was also in Zero Dark Thirty. So uh, it was cool to see those guys come back. And like you said, Constance Wu, like her her character was really cool too. She didn't have like the whole like badassery with the Navy SEAL thing going on, but as a reporter or, or journalist, um, and kind of uncovering the conspiracy is really cool to to watch her in action as well. Yeah, I ended up watching this one uh, while traveling, lots of plane rides and lots of layovers. Um, so I watched the Terminalist. I didn't really like it. I didn't really like it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this I feel like could have been a really great five episode season unfortunately it is too long for sure and they're all like over an hour and it's also weird when episode five ends with what felt like the conclusion to the mystery and i guess since it's new i won't spoil anything but essentially the gimmick of the show is like once something bad happens chris pratt's like i'm gonna get revenge i'm gonna make a list the terminal list (laughs) i'm gonna kill everybody on it and i'm not joking he literally kills like the the person that the show's been building up to be like the main part of the list but then you realize that there's three episodes left and he just keeps adding people like <laughs> they just keep saying oh we thought they were the main person but it turns out there's five others and then it's like oh there's only 10 minutes of the show left there's one other person <laughs> it's like oh my god <laughs> so dumb um the best part of the show by far i thought was the beginning whenever like i thought the first episode was great and then, yeah, it just kind of went downhill from there for me, unfortunately. I just wasn't completely compelled by the mystery. And it, we, we've already talked a little bit about like heroes and villains and the lines being blurred. The show tried to do that uh, with the main character, Chris Pratt's character. Unfortunately, not even at the end. I would say like halfway through, I just didn't really like him anymore. I, I couldn't really root for him. So they kind of failed on that front. Um, I was always excited when Taylor Kitsch was on screen. I love Taylor Kitsch. Unfortunately... I would say conservatively, 80% of the lines that he has of dialogue are him just saying brother to Chris Pratt. Oh, dude, that was my award for this episode. <laughs> I knew that was going to come up with this with this series. It was with almost my intro instead of Welcome That's to Jackass. That's the only I was dialogue. Say. That's the only dialogue they wrote in the show is just, hey, brother. While I was watching the you, show, brother. I imagined us talking about this in the future. I was like, we're definitely going to bring up the, how much they the, how much they say brother. If somebody hasn't watched The Terminalist, they're probably thinking, oh, I'm sure in reality he just said it like four times and they're just like exaggerating It's eight times an joke. episode, conservatively. It's every scene he's in, he has to call Chris Pratt like brother multiple times. <laughs> it was Texas hilarious forever. to me. Brother. Brother. <laughs> So I knew you guys liked it. I watched it because I'd heard you talked about it. I didn't think it was terrible, but yeah, just that main character and that mystery just didn't do it for me. I would say good, not great. If you need something to watch uh, and you don't want to watch Mood Night, watch the Terminal List. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't think it was like fantastic by any means, but yeah, definitely I was entertained the entire time, but I do get where you're coming with the story. By the end, I was kind of a little burnt out in the story. I'm like, okay, we can wrap this up now. All right. Well, that was a big list of movies and TV. Glad we finally got that off our chest. It feels like, my friends, we are officially caught up. We still have a lot to talk about this year. Got a bunch more episodes. Uh, no big deal. I saw that the Halloween Ends trailer is releasing tomorrow, so I'm sure that's going to end up being the movie of the year. I know Austin says we can't make any more Halloween Kills jokes, but that's because it's time for Halloween Ends. <laughs> <laughs> Did they do an episode just on the Halloween Ends trailer? Oh, wow. To get us prepped and ready for Halloween Ends, the conclusion. Oh, we'll have to do a reaction to that. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait to see if they stick to that comment they made about this movie dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. Let's go ahead and get into our awards. It's time for the Arnie's Podcast Awards. This is where we basically can take something from any of the content we just talked about, could be a negative thing, could be a positive thing, just has to be something that we deserve extra praise in either direction. So, 
Austin Keith, who's going to start us off today. Well, we unfortunately spoiled mine today, but mine is the Taylor Kitsch Brother Award. <laughs> uh, he no joke says that phrase, hey, brother, about eight times an episode. <laughs> I also think I have seen him play this exact same character in every single project <laughs> he's ever been in. I've heard him say the word brother more times than they account. If I closed my eyes and watched the show without knowing the cast and heard the phrase, hey, brother, I'd be like, oh, Taylor Kitsch is in that show. Oh, it's Tim Wow. <laughs> Seven... <laughs> I think I think I'm gonna give the the most durable forehead award to Mr. Johnny Knoxville. That guy takes a freaking hit by a bull in this movie, which he claims like that pretty much killed his jackass career. Like he's done after that. Like that he might still yeah. do jackass movies, but he's not gonna do that many stunts anymore because of that 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 concussion and the uh, brain damage that that boy <laughs> cost him. <laughs> so, so He had brain damage before yes, the bowl. but he yeah. has even more now. So <laughs> He probably has CTE like, an NFL, oh, like an NFL player. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, the most durable yeah, head award goes to Johnny Knoxville. My award is, strangely enough, kind of tied to Keith's. My award, of course, is the Biggest Risk Award. And it's in Reacher whenever he puts on glasses. It's like, those are going to break. <laughs> never. Alan Richson, all jacked up, puts on glasses. It's like, how are those on his head? It's like in Blade Runner 2049 when Dave Batista put glasses on. <laughs> it's like, those should just snap. Those should not fit on your face. If he gets headbutted in combat, he's going to get glass in his forehead. Well, with that, everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we'd really appreciate that so we continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode. And if you want to hear our thoughts on the latest Netflix original, The Gray Man, uh, starring Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling, we did just put out our thoughts on that last week, so be sure to go check that out. And lastly, we want to hear from you, so please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us the Arnie's media at gmail.com. Is there anything we didn't mention that we need to check out? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Please let us know. There's so many movies and TV shows that even this catch-up episode is not enough. What are we missing? Give us all those good content recommendations. Have a great rest of your week. And always remember, in the words of Taylor Kitsch, my best friend, see you later, brother. Chris Pratt's pew beard is terrible in the terminal list. <laughs> <laughs>